Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell and this this is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. You're pointing at me weird, yes. dude. And uh, we are a little show called uh, Solid Steps that has been around now for a few years. And a few years ago, Kurt came to me and I came to him and God came to both of us and said, hey, let's do a show for men as our primary audience. And we want to do two things. We want to uh, help equip men with just encourage them, convict them. That's not our job to do that. That's God's job, but just to be available to talk about stuff that men may not talk about on a regular basis. And then the second thing we want to do is we want to tell the story that God is writing in men's lives because we couldn't make up a lot of these stories and we're not talented and powerful enough to make up these stories that God is writing stories in men's lives that need to be told. And today is one of those stories. And you'll see a lot these days about the studies that show the emphasis on the connectivity of a, of a parent and a child. When a child is born, how important it is. Now it's a thing. It wasn't a thing six kids ago, but now it's a thing for, for we haven't had this happen. But you'll see more and more that when a baby is born, they'll put the baby on the, on the flesh, the chest of the mom, and then they'll do the same thing with the dad. Have you seen this? No. So what they'll have, they'll have a dad. I haven't had kids in, uh, <laughs> okay. my kids are 20 you, years up. You don't want to do this, by the way, all right? <laughs> don't have any of your grown children do what I'm getting ready to tell you, all right? But this is for newborns, and they'll take the, the dad and have him take his shirt off and put the newborn baby on the, on the bearskin chest of the dad as a form of connecting with the child. And they say the first two years of that of that child's life is when that forming, that bond and connection, that loving connection well, with I knew, the parent. Yeah, I knew all that, but I didn't know. Yeah, right. the dad. So, it, so, you know, I just became a grandpa. Right. So I, I, I but I didn't ask my son-in-law if. Ask Matt if he did I, that. I'll ask Matt and yeah. see. Yeah, okay. So anyway, so the, the, the even scientists are telling us the importance of the connectivity between the parent and the child for their emotional health long term. But what if that doesn't happen? What if that child does not get connectivity? In fact, what if the opposite happens? What if that child is neglected of any type of connectivity? On paper, scientists are going to say that person doesn't have much hope. But in today's story, we know that hope intervened. And not only does hope intervene, but hope can save. You know, because hope, Chad, hope is a person. Hmm. And hope is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And hope through the living God um, gives us reason to live, even though it there might seem like there's despair. So uh, I, I'm going to introduce Bob Kegley to our show. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you. You know, Bob, uh, I was doing a spiritual warfare training uh, recently, and uh, you came up to me afterwards, and we started talking, and I go, oh my goodness, we've got to share this story to our listeners. And so, Bob, uh, that was you. Uh, what, what Chad was describing, you're a little baby. Yes. And what happened to you? You, you, you. Well, when I was um, when I was born, social services came in and they found me in a house without running water or electricity. I was in a corner. I was malnourished. I was dirty, and they ended up taking. Um, I've got ten brothers and sisters. They ended up taking all the younger kids out. I was the baby. And they separated us and put two together at a time and put us into foster homes. And uh, you mentioned to us before that we were just talking, you, it was 10 kids, 11 kids, 11 kids? T 10 kids. 10 kids total. And 
Uh, but there was several different fathers. Yes. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Uh, there was three different fathers involved um, with the with the mother, the the mom. Uh, she had some mental issues as well and was in and out of a mental hospital. And uh, you never really knew your mom or I, your or your dad. Right. I never knew my mom or my dad. I never actually knew my other brothers and sisters except for the one that I really grew up with. And so you're you're this how how, how many weeks old were you or months old when they found you? I, I was an infant. I don't know how many weeks. You don't old. remember that. I don't. For some reason, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a, you're this little infant. Social services takes over, and you were in how many different foster homes? I know. I know that I was in about three to four different foster homes. Of course, I don't know about the real early ages, but um, you know, my journey was very hard. Um, I had two desires as a little kid trying to grow up and. Number one, I really wanted to grow up and find my parents. And then number two, the biggest desire I had was to die. I I wasn't actually suicidal, but I didn't have a desire to live. I felt like everything inside of me was just dead. Um, I don't know. The best way I can explain it is if you were to come home and they were to tell you that your mom and dad just got killed, um, that could be very devastating, and you would have a lot of grief and hurt. And that's what I experienced. I experienced such hurt that it became it became part of me, but it also it continued. I didn't know how not to feel hurt every day of my life. And and so therefore, I mean, you, you just wanted to die. I did. How, can you describe that a little bit to our listeners? When when you know you want to die. What, well, I think for me, you know, going from one foster home to another, um, the first thing that I learned was um, my survival skills. You know, how can I survive? Because I've got, I don't trust anybody. I was taught very early that you can't trust anybody. Um, so for me, my survival skills was to just be quiet and just go with the flow. And that's how I survived in different foster homes. But so, re- so there's this withdrawal and yes. there's this self-protective wall that you were yes. put, putting around yourself. Right. And emotionally, you know, the, the homes that I was in, nobody would actually hardly show much affection. Uh, you didn't really talk about feelings or anything because, you know, we're guys and we don't really have to feel, you know, um, but really didn't really talk about feelings or anything. So I kept all my feelings inside. And all the hurt that I had, I kept that to myself. And I just tried to be a good kid so that I could try to be accepted somewhere. But everywhere I went, uh, you know, one home that I was at, I was physically abused. When I first went to the home, uh, the father said, okay, here's my son. He's my son. You're not to touch him. And at one point, I know that uh, he had shoved a nail file in my ear and blood was gushing out. And I was actually sent up to bed uh, early without dinner, and I was punished for it. Uh, another time, he had bit me on the arm, and my arm started bleeding real bad, and I couldn't touch him, and I was also punished for that as well. So, you know, what I was experiencing in my life was I was rejected at every turn that I had. I wasn't really loved. I didn't feel loved, and... Um, it created this hurt that, you know, the devil doesn't play fair. 
and he will take advantage of people. And he took advantage of me, and I carry this hurt. For me, for 21 years, I didn't know what it was like not to hurt. You know, I'm reminded of what um, when Jesus is going to heal this this young person, his dad comes to him, and the young person has a demon in him. And Jesus says, how long has he been like this? And the dad says, since he was a child. Yes. And that that was you in, in, the, in the regards of pain and being rejected. Yes. Uh, lonely. Can you talk about loneliness just a little bit? Um, it, it, yeah, loneliness, you know, I, I, you know, I just re- I remember um, I just felt all alone because there was no support. There was, you know, even when the social services would pick me up and take me from one home to another, one of my uh, one of the ladies that was the caseworker would say, why are you crying? You know, so she was like getting on me and getting aggravated at me because I was crying because I didn't know where I was going to the next house. And, and like how old were you there? Like five? Well, I went, the foster home that I ended up staying with, I probably got there around six, but I still have a lot of early re- memories of different foster homes. So I would say between four and five. And they're kind of frustrated with you because you have no real mom and dad. You've been going from foster home to foster home to foster home. You've, you've got rejection like all over the place. Yes. And yet... Uh, they want you to stop crying, suck it up, and be a be a man. Yeah. Now they would give me a little small bag of some change, you know, to help me think that I could go out and buy something nice for myself, you know. But that was pretty much it. So, you know, we were alone. It was just like me and my brother against the world, really. And it seemed like uh, they just people didn't really want us. I didn't understand. I think for the first. Um, Throughout my childhood, I would I would be so hurt and so rejected that I would cry myself to sleep every night. So we're going to take a break, and that's hard to hear. And, and you think, how could any child survive that physically or emotionally? But the story's not over, and God is still writing that story in, in ways that you couldn't figure it out. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back in the next segment and hear more about Bob's rescue mission and the story that God did in his life. So we'll take a break now and be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Souter. We're here with Bob Kegley talking about his story. When we last segment, we picked up uh, where he had been in foster home after foster home and abandoned by his birth parents. And um, we're going to hear more about his story here in a minute. But we want to thank our sponsors, L&N Credit Union, local lender, been around here for decades, being a, a pillar in this community and also helping us on our show, L&N Credit Union. Vision First Eye Care, if you need any eye care needs, glasses, contacts, or you just need to have your eyes checked, Rod Rollo and his crew at Vision First will take care of you. And also Bright Star Home Care, if you know anyone who needs long-term care or whether that's one day a week to check in or whether that's 24-7 care Bright Star Home Care can help take care of you in those needs. So we want to thank our sponsors for sponsoring the show. So, Bob, you know, when I th- I hear your story, and I'm, I'm just like, oh, my golly. how I'm, I look at you now, 
and you are, you know, 60, are you? How, 57. 57 years old. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, uh, 57 years old, and I'm like going, I'm amazed, but it didn't all start that way. I mean, you're rejected by your bio- biological, your birth parents, um, one of 10 kids. You're in this in and out of foster homes. Um, you, you told us in the break that at one of your foster homes, you would get something for breakfast. Yes. Yeah. At one of the foster homes, the, the mother would set me up on the counter and set next to me a three or four pound uh, bag of uh, container of brown sugar. And I would sit there and eat spoonful after spoonful of brown sugar. And that sugar. would be my breakfast. Wow. And that... And, you, and at this whole same time, these foster homes are, they're not giving you any kind of emotional health, no love, compassion. No. You just kind of hop from one place to the next. Exactly. Uh, but you, you, you told us in the break, at, at the age of about six, yes, um, you were brought into a home that was much better. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah, it was it was much better. The, the the family that ended up taking me in that I stayed with throughout my uh, uh, adolescence and younger years, um, they were Christians, and they were genuine Christians. They they did go to church every Sunday. They had two other boys that uh, uh, that was their own sons, but they had a big heart, and they uh, brought us into their home, and we would go to church every Sunday and. For the most part, you know, we were treated pretty much fairly uh, when I was there. You, uh, you mentioned also in the break, they, they treated you with, um, with compassion and they, they took care of you. I mean, there's, there's no brown sugar for breakfast. You, you, right. You got normal meals. But there's also one time when they, they, they took a vacation and they left you guys out. Yeah, and that was really hurtful, you know. Um, they, they did take their two sons to Florida, and uh, they left us with the grandparents at the time. And, you know, it was another feeling of, you know, that we're not just part of the family, you know. Uh, and it was really hard. So, yeah, that was pretty difficult. I think also, though, even in this family, probably similar to a lot of families that are out there, uh, the emotional connection with really talking to your kids or talking about emotions, talking about feelings. It never did happen, you know. So for me, I just continued to carry my hurt with me, and it actually became my companion. Um, it became your companion. Yes. Talk about that just a little bit. Well, when I would wake up in the morning, um, within minutes usually, I started feeling all this hurt, this physical hurt in my heart. And I got used to that. As a matter of fact, I got so used to it that that was what I carried around every day, 24-7. That was your badge. That was my badge. Yes, it was. So, you know, when I would first wake up, I may not feel it right away, but within minutes I would. And so it became my companion that uh, became my friend. So um, fast forward, how do, you, how, how do you go on with life? And, and I tell you, that still was very difficult because my, my greatest desires were still to grow up and find my parents like they were lost or and also to die. Um, when I was in this home, 
my parents finally did tell me that my parents were actually killed by a train. And I was devastated again all over and come to find out years later, I come to find out that that wasn't even true. But my parents had told me that because they wanted me to try to have closure with trying to find my parents. Okay. Hmm. And so they meant well. They meant well. But, but they it, lied to you. They lied to me. So at the same time, they, they did introduce you in, in to Christianity. Yes. Yeah, we went to a non-denominational church, and by the time I was 14, uh, you, you had asked me about acting out. You know, I think my acting out involved um, getting into sex very early. Um, that was my acting out. Uh, I did some drinking. I did some smoking, but not drugs or pot or anything. Uh, fortunately, I got sick when I did it, so I stopped doing it. Hmm. You know, and I'm thankful for that. But for me, when I turned 14 and we were going to an independent church, I just, I was just so broken that I just said, Lord, if you really want me, then have the preacher talk about everything that I've been going through. And that Sunday, the preacher got up and he talked about sin. He talked about all the things that, that I was experiencing. And when he gave the altar call, I got up and I literally ran down to the altar and I gave my heart to the Lord. You, so, so in the midst of you are beginning to understand that there is a God that he loves you. Yes. Um, experientially, you know, family-wise, that's not, that had, hadn't really been true. Um, but you, you, you acted out a little bit. Your brother acted out a big time. Yes. Just talk about that briefly. Yeah, my brother ended up uh, getting into drugs. Uh, he ended up being very rebellious, more outwardly than anything that like I was. So we were opposites in that aspect, you know, but that was his survival skills, and he was uh, angry. And so he was more able to express that and get that out compared to me. Yeah, you withdrew. I withdrew. You isolated. I isolated. He just exploded. Yes, um, but the day that you ran down the aisle, what was what was happening in your heart? You know, in my heart, I was thinking that, you know, here's this God that I've heard about, and here I did this prayer. I prayed that God would have him speak on things that pertain to me, and it's like the whole sermon was like that. So it was like really hearing God's voice and a real calling to come and to accept him as my Lord and Savior. So when you did that, um, you're 14 years old, you trusted Christ. Were you baptized um, pretty closely thereafter? I was. I was baptized in the ocean. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was in Florida at the time. And uh, I remember when I, when I prayed the sinner's prayer, I just remember having this real clean feeling like the sin that I had was actually really forgiven. I really felt God's forgiveness at that point. Wow. But... but as you turned to Christ um, and you were baptized, then, I mean, all the hopelessness, all the despair, all the hurt, all the, the pain, it, it was all gone then, right? No. No, not at all. <laughs> I, mean, we, I mean, a lot of times we think that once we trust Jesus, yes. that it's all going to be vanished you know, by the next day. And that wasn't true at all. No, and, you know, for me now, looking back, you know, God has us all on this journey of what I call the undoing. 
Mm. And there's a lot of undoing that he does within us. And part of my journey was, um, uh, of course, I got saved when I was 14. Uh, I can tell you that six months later, I was I would run to the Lord and I would read a lot. I would pray a lot. And I would also worship. I really became a worshiper of the Father. You know, the Bible says that he seeks those who will worship him in truth and in spirit. And I really enjoyed the worship. So I would go in my room and just put on worship music and just worship him for who he was. I mean, in one sense, he became the father to the fatherless. He did become the father to the fatherless. Yes. And so as you're worshiping him, you sense slowly healing. Yes. As I began to worship the Lord, I remember about six months after I got saved that there was like this electricity that started shooting through my back. And it came and it just this presence of God started to fill me. And that was the first time I have ever felt love was right then. Even though you're experiencing some love to some level with your foster parents. Yes. This is a love to a whole new level. So we're going to take a break and come back and hear more about this because it was something that happened to him, Bob, that he became saved, but there was an undoing, as he says, a healing process that had to take place. And so we're going to talk more about that and unpack that. And Psalm 68, 5 says he is the the father, the God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. And so we're going to come back and talk more about how God the Father healed Bob, not only saved him, but healed him. And he wants to do the same thing for you and I. So we're going to take a break and we'll be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio, third segment. And if you missed the first two, you should go back and listen. Go to Facebook, SoundCloud, or iTunes and just type in Solid Steps Radio and you will hear those commercial free thanks to great sponsors of our show uh, like um, Dan Hart Financial. Dan Hart is an investor who will help you make biblically wise decisions on your retirement. If you want to talk about long-term, short-term, and what you need to do with your money, Dan Hart can do that. Uh, Frank Enterprises, if you have water going where it's not supposed to go outside, it's not draining properly, places are getting flooded, or if you have a septic tank issue, Frank Enterprises can help you with those issues. And also southernsmokecatering.com, southernsmokecatering.com, they are a uh, catering-only barbecue uh, company, and boy, they make some great product. (laughs) They're the best tasting of all of our sponsors by far. And uh, southernsmokecatering.com. Put some south in your mouth. Okay, so Bob, you're, you're now 14 years old. You're still in the same home. Yes. Um, and you, you go forward. You trust Christ. But about six months after, um, you had an experience. And yes. you mentioned it in the last segment, almost like an electricity yes. kind of in your body. Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, um, I love worship. And I, I would always go to my bedroom, and I went to my bedroom in the house. The house was empty. It was just me and the music. And I was in there just worshiping the Lord for his goodness because I was experiencing uh, his presence. Well, his presence, actually, when I felt the electricity, I felt his presence just filled me. 
Mm. And I just, it was just like God was just putting his arms around me and just loving me like I've never been loved before. Sounds to me like in a- the beginning of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes down like uh, uh, tongues of, of fire yes. that came down upon the believers. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we, we, we look at supernatural experiences and we kind of uh, uh, talk away from that. Yes. Uh, but, but God is the God of supernatural. Yes. And, and it doesn't always happen that way. Um, many times it's just a slow movement of God. It's the quiet, still quiet voice of God. But in the experience of in the beginning of Acts, in the experience of you, you, you experience a, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in your body um, bringing healing to you. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I think that if God had not done that for me, I think that I would have died many years ago. Mm. I, 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 I see the Lord when, when he did that to me, he was starting to carry me and to pour love into my heart like I've never experienced anywhere. Because you're 14 years old and you had, for the most part, there's been rejection and no affirmation and love and compassion and deep caring that you'd ever experienced. That's right. Um, The spirit of rejection and abandonment and hurt was what you experienced. Yes. So did anyone ever give you any type of training, any kind of plant that seed in your mind that if you did this, that would happen? Or did that just happen? No. As a matter of fact, it was was really interesting. Um, uh, No, I was still a baby in Christ. Mm -hmm. And even though I had heard some about the Holy Spirit, I didn't know that God actually wanted to come in and fill me or his people with his presence like that. And it wasn't even until like a year after that that I met the other, the first time I met another believer that was a spirit-filled believer. And so I felt that I had this special gift at the time that maybe nobody had, you know, but... Uh, well, you know, you know uh, for our listeners, some people don't understand that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Bible teaches that we are given a gift. Yes. And it's the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes and actually lives in. It's a, there's a mystery, but lives in us, in our physical bodies. The Holy Spirit, we become temples yes. of the Holy Spirit. And that was, you were experiencing that in a powerful way. Many of us experience that in a very quiet, almost a very unassuming way. But the Bible talks about both. Yes. And you experienced it in a, in a real way. You didn't even know really what was going on. But God was manifesting himself in your life, in your body. And the, and the healing was beginning to take place. Would yes. you say that's true? Yes. Uh, you know, I- even after I had this experience um, and I started walking more in the presence of God, I still had all the hurt and the rejection, and I still wanted to die. Mm-hmm. So even though I became a Christian, it didn't make everything go away. I, I, I mean, you begin, your, your worship is real. Yes. You, begin, you said in, in between the break, Bob, that you began to really hunger after God's Word. Yes. And talk, talk to our listeners about that. Yeah. Um, I just started getting really involved in the Word of God and just reading it. And when I started to read it, to really try to put into place what God was really saying there and just taking Him for His Word. Um, 
even just like the, you know, in John 4, 14, uh, when Jesus met the lady at the well, he ended up saying, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And that's what God did to me. Mm. He had this water that was just like a fountain just springing up and giving me life. And uh, he was just loving me and, and bathing me in his love because of all the hurt and everything that I'd been through. But at the same time, you know, I was still carrying that up until I was 21 years old. Yeah, I think sometimes we, we read Psalm 147, verse 3 says, God heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And I think we think that that's uh, like it's going to happen like in one shot. Right. And it's it's over. And really what, how God many times he, he can do that, you know, just in one instance, um, in one instant. But typically he does it over time. Yes. And that's what was happening to you. Yeah, it was part of the journey, part of the undoing and the part of, you know, me trusting in him and trying to walk with him. And as you're walking with him, as you're continuing to worship him, as what James says, James chapter 4 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's what was happening. You were continuing to draw near to him. He was drawing near to you, and there's healing. But then something, yeah. but something happened when you were 21. Yes, um, and, and before I share that, I, I was just wanting to also say that, you know, the life skills that I had at that point, I still didn't know how to communicate. I still didn't know how to actually trust people. I didn't trust people at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I still had a lot of baggage within me that God still had to work on and work through, and he never actually finishes with us. You know, <laughs> we never heaven. get to the place that we— <laughs> We have arrived until we get to that, you know, until we arrive home with him. Mm. But at the age of 21, I had another really ex- experience with uh, with the Lord that was just incredible. Um, I was worshiping him, and I was just praising him again all alone. And I felt these words come to me, and I felt the Lord say to me that the enemy has oppressed you with hurt and rejection, and I have come to set you free. And I had remember reading. Um, I remember reading in Mark chapter sixteen where Jesus said, and He said to them, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creation creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues." They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And, you know, a lot of times we read the Great Commission, but we don't talk about the signs that's going to follow those that believe. And when the Lord spoke that to me, I started taking authority over the spirit of hurt and the spirit of rejection. And as soon as I started doing that, I ran to the bathroom and I physically started throwing up. And, and you know, a lot of times the church doesn't really talk about uh, the devil. But, you know, there's times that the devil takes advantage of people and he doesn't play fair. 
And so I was one of those victims, I guess, that you can say, even though I don't consider myself a victim now, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I was in a situation to where I wasn't loved and I was really hurt and I was rejected everywhere. So he took advantage of that and there was a spirit of hurting rejection on me and it was oppressing me. And uh, after I took authority over it and I went it through throwing up, I felt this cloud like lift off of me. And this hurt and this rejection that had been my companion all my life for the first 21 years all of a sudden, I was feeling something different, and I was feeling normal, but I didn't know what normal was like. Wow. You know, when, when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that's Jesus. That's all authority, not some, yes. not a lot, but all authority. And he lives in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you were beginning to exercise the authority of Christ and, and the healing of God really uh, exploded almost on, the, on that day when you were 21 years of So we're going to take a break, come back for one fourth and final segment, and we're going to talk about what does that look like. And, and Bob wants to speak to those who have been hurt and those who need healing. And we're going to talk more about what that looks like in your life and uh, living in a heal, healed and freedom in Christ Jesus. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment of Solid Steps Radio. We, uh, well, we've been having hearing an incredible story, and four segments doesn't do any justice to this story. So go back and listen to it on Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes. You can also go to furtherstoneministries.org, click on the mic. And you can hear it commercial-free. Thanks to our great sponsors, the Southeast Outlook. They are a Louisville-based publication that talks about all the stories that God is writing, whether it's in our community here or around the world. The Southeast Outlook uh, tells those stories. Uh, Dr. Eric Veal of uh, Iroquois Family Dental. He's got two locations in Southwest Louisville and in East Louisville. He is a family-friendly dentist, and you would... Uh, you would like to go to him if all dentist. He's a nice one. You want to go to him. Uh, and then Veritech Generators. If you need a generator for your home or your business or you need to have a generator that you already own serviced, they can give you a free estimate. Veritech Generators. And then my good friend Jennifer Heck has written a book uh, called um, The Night, the Conversation the Night Before Christmas. And if you're looking for a Christmas present, a stocking stuff or something you can do as a tradition, please go buy that book. Uh, it is a fantastic book. Uh, it's a beautifully written and beautifully illustrated. Uh, it's a conversation between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the night before Jesus was born. Okay, so Bob, you're 21. You have this, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, again, this incredible experience. Yes. Um, but again, it's not like, okay, everything is magically awesome from here on out. Right. You You shared in the break... You have been married now for how long? I've been married now for 36 years. 36 years. And you said something to us about your marriage. Uh, Talk to us about that. You know, we've had a hard marriage, and a lot of that has to do with, um, of course, the sin all the way back from Adam. But with the life skills that I had when I first went into the marriage, along with my wife. You know, my wife would be quick to say that, uh, she was more controlling and more verbal than me, and I was more introverted. Uh, but the problem, the problem for me was I never did trust her. 
And I was never, once again, that was my life skill that, you know, you don't trust. And um, and, I, and, and, and for good reason. I mean, I, yes. I'm not making an excuse for you, but of all that you had been through, uh, rejection hurt your whole life. Why would you want to trust? Yes. So... So, you know, I had a couple things that also happened uh, later on. Uh, so keep in mind, for 34 years of our marriage, it was very hard to get words out of me, emotion out of me, being able to talk openly and transparent. Uh, I think when I think about Adam and Eve, they had such a relationship that they could be transparent at any time, and it never. they had a great relationship because of that. I could not do that with my wife. But... Uh, you know, and I was even asked my friends, I would say, well, how can I start to trust? And nobody could give me a straight answer. And as I was still praying about it, I, I went to my wife and I said, I want to start opening up my heart to you and just tell you what's really going on inside of me. And the next day at work, I came home and I just started sharing with her. And before you know it, I'm sharing my heart with her and it's becoming easier and easier and you know, when it comes to trust, I think it's a matter of becoming vulnerable, uh, just being willing to open up and share in your heart what's really going on and what your feelings really are. So that was a lesson that, uh, you know, on my journey, it took me 34 years to get to. You know, I think about the children of Israel and when they were crossing the Red Sea, they had a journey that took them 40. So a lot of times, our, our journey will take many years for us to arrive to get to where God wants us to get, but it's it's really changed my marriage since then. And I have to be honest with you, too, I really contribute that to the Faces of Christ retreat. That's an incredible retreat for men. Um, I went there, and and I've become active now as, uh, as, a, as a participant going to try to help other men now. But um, when I first went there— um, we do this one exercise to where uh, people in the group, you sit around in a circle, and people in the group will whisper what God says in his word about you. Mm. And then they also whisper lies what the enemy will tell you. Like, for instance, they may say, you're worthless. You'll um, never make it. And you'll never make it. You're no good. You'll never mount anything. You'll never, be as, you'll never be as good as so-and-so. That's right. And, and when I went through that exercise, I realized then that I had listened to a lot of the whispers of the enemy. And so that really opened my eyes up more, and that helped lead me to the place to where i become more vulnerable with my wife and more open. And I'll have to say that right now we probably have a better marriage than we've ever had. It's taken, uh, it's taken a few decades, but it has. Um, God has brought healing and hope. I'm I'm reminded of what Proverbs says. Proverbs uh, says, "Hope deferred sickens the heart." Yes. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Yes. And that's really what has happened over the decades. Hope has filled your heart. Yes. Over time, by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God the Father, and uh, over time, he has slowly healed you, and your marriage is better than it's ever been. Um, and uh, do, do you still battle those whispers, those voices? You know, there are times, but um, 
I don't think they're so pronounced as they used to be. I, I think that, uh, you know, the Bible talks about taking every thought into captivity. Yes. And I think that as, as I continue and as the body of Christ continues to capture those thoughts and take those into captivity and take authority over the powers of the enemy, that, that God will continue to work. And he is continuing to do a work in me. I, I am far from being done. And, but I'm telling you that uh, he has been a father to me. He's been the lover of my soul. And I know that um, I can say this with complete confidence that you can trust him. Mm. You can trust him. Bob, I, I think w- what you're also describing, you have learned to recognize the enemy's whisper. Yes. And the lies and the deception and the things that he wants to whisper in all of our lives yes. and say, no, I, I, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to embrace that. I'm going to receive and embrace the truth of God's whisper yes, from his holy word. Yes. Bob, your story is awesome. I, when we talked that day uh, a few months ago, I go, oh, we got to share your story. So I'm just grateful that you came into the show and, and thanks for sharing your heart. Thanks for being transparent and vulnerable yes. with us. Um, brother, would you pray for us? Would you pray for any guy out there who might be struggling with uh, some of the things that you struggled with? Would you pray yes. for us, please? Father, I just come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I thank you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, for anyone that's listening right now that they have been hurt and they've been rejected or they feel worthless, Father God, I I take authority and I bind the powers of the air in the name of Jesus, and I command for those chains to break in the name of Jesus. And Father God, I pray that even as they are listening right now, that they would experience your presence and your power, and that you would just put your arms around them, and that you would love on them. And I pray, Jesus, even as I ran to you, I pray, oh God, that they would run to you. Mm. And I pray that when they're hurting and they, they can't seem to get past it, I pray that they would look up, Father God, and recognize and know that their Redeemer lives, and they would begin to worship. I pray, Jesus, more than anything that you would grant them wisdom, but I pray that they would have a heart of worship. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Thank Thank you you. so much for coming and sharing. You know, it says in God's word is for freedom. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And uh, for those of you who are hearing this story and thinking, man, electricity, vomiting, I don't know if I need that or don't need that, but I do know what we all do need is freedom. And we have that freedom in Christ and also, but the authority of being able, and Bob had said he heard the word, took it for what it said and believed it and started telling voices what to do and not do. Well, that sounds a little bit strange to some folks, but the reality of it is it's something we do on a daily basis, can do and should be doing on a daily basis. And if you want to learn more about that, go to furtherstoneministries.org, January the 8th. Kurt is going to have a freedom appointment, and a freedom appointment is basically a it's four, four hours. hours worth of time. You got to block some time out and talking about how you you live in freedom, and it talks a little bit about the pieces of the puzzle as far as, as far as spiritual warfare goes. So, uh, January the eighth, go to furtherstoneministries.org, and you can be able to get more information on that. We want to thank Bob for coming in today. And you may have heard some stuff and you thought, boy, I've got some hurts. They weren't as bad as his or they're worse, whatever it might be. But Jesus came to save and to heal the brokenhearted. 
save and heal. And so you may be saved, but you may not be healed. But boy, God wants to do that healing in you. So uh, we pray that you'll turn in his direction and you will take him up on his word. So we thank you for listening. Pass this along. Someone comes to mind when you're listening to this, pass it along to them. Facebook them, send it to them. And you can hear our podcast again on Facebook, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. We're